Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Great to have your company here on Ausbiz as we kick off the afternoon with the call between now and 1pm Eastern. Uh, live here from our Barangaroo studios, 10 stocks that you suggest we have a look at. I put them to an expert panel for their adjudication on this day when the markets are being absolutely creamed. But one of the stocks we're going to talk about is up 15%. Yes, on a day like today. So uh, it is going to be fascinating to see what our experts think of uh, the markets and also that particular stock as well. Let's welcome the expert panel, Henry Jennings from Marcus Today. Henry, how are you, sir? Good to see you. Hi, Koshi. Welcome aboard. Good to see you. And uh, as Henry refers to him, his little Poirot, uh, favourite Belgium, Rudy Philippic Van Dyke from FN Arena. Rudy. <laughs> I only have one. I only have one response to that. I'm not French. <laughs> You're Belgium, so yes. that's all right. How are you, mate? You well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, yes. ra- yeah. rather than a stock of the day, mm-hmm. I thought we'd kick off. Give me a safe haven stock. The two of you, sort of, everyone's pulling the hair out at the moment. <laughs> World's about to end. Uh, we're going through panic stations. Where do you go? When the world goes through panic stations. Prime station. Yeah, no, yeah. No, no slashing there. Um, I happen to own Amcor. Right. Um, but I have to say, I also took some profits on it because I don't trust this market. Oh. Amcor has been performing uh, in, in the bigger scheme of things absolutely fa- fabulously. Right. Um, but if you're on a bear market, sometimes a stock that, that performs uh, then immediately attracts your attention because people are still sitting on profits. Right. Okay. So I'm not trusting uh, the market. But if you want to, if you want to have a, uh, some safety in this market. My view has always been you have some gold in your portfolio. Oh, okay. And uh, people would, would probably have noticed gold doesn't really perform very well so far in 2022. Yep. There's very good reasons for that. It's called the US bond market. Yeah. Uh, but in, in, in if the, 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 the fears that are, um, that are now gripping this market, if they come to fruition and we will have a recession, uh, right. bond markets will move the other way. And uh, most importantly, gold will start performing then. Okay, all right. And I noticed that everyone was uh, so. That's your uh, gold. Uh, gold, yeah. uh, an ETF which is physical gold, yes. isn't it? And as you can see there, it has come come off a fair way. So. Yeah. Oh, that's in the bigger scheme of things. That's actually that's actually a well. I would call that relatively benign. Right. Um, I mean, there's always some volatility, but if you if you have stocks in the market that easily fall by seven, eight, nine percent and more on the day. Yeah. Gold hasn't done that so far. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, it okay. moved a little bit up, a little bit so down. So physical gold rather than gold stocks? Oh, definitely. Gold right. stocks are listed on the share market. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So the share market goes down, stocks go down. So they'll be crunched. Okay. Uh, and I noticed everyone was, all of the, uh, uh, some of the smarties in the market recently been saying, oh no, Bitcoin is now your hedge rather than gold. 
Don't you, love, don't you love it when those narratives are being put to test? Yeah. Yeah, I've, al yeah. I've always said the test will come when the bond market starts moving. Yeah. And, and of course, Bitcoin at the end of the day was always an extension of the liquidity yes. more than it was all the other narratives. Yeah. And it's now down 50%. Yeah. And that's the better one in the pack. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Henry, what's, a, what's a, a good stock if, when you're in panic stations? Um, well, Koshi, I don't know about a good stock in panic stations, but certainly one that I'm looking at on my buy list is my old alma mater, which is Macquarie Group. Now, these guys got pummeled after the results, I have to say, and the results were pretty good. Now, the market has come to the conclusion that this is the um, as good as it gets moment, that Macquarie has hit peak earnings, peak Macquarie. But if you look at the market and you look at Macquarie, they are so highly correlated. These guys are very good at risk management. They've made a mozza in, uh, in global markets, in commodities especially. The guy that uh, runs that business, Nico Kane, I think he got paid at 38 million bucks or something as his bonus. So that's, that's a nice little earn. But um, so for me, this is now starting to look quite interesting. Interestingly, the market is trying to find a bit of a bottom around 7,000 at the moment. And some of the, uh, the really bombed out, smashed up tech sector stocks are actually starting to creep into the top performers today. The likes of uh, Life360, Tyro, that sort of thing starting to creep in. Even News Corp's had a 4% bounce. So we are mm -hmm. seeing a little bit of stability creeping in. Now, whether that's short-lived or not remains to be seen. But so for my money, if you can get Macquarie around 175 bucks, mm -hmm. uh, you know, that, that's not a bad proxy for a bounce in the market. And certainly, you know, these guys are exceptional asset yes. managers. They're exposed to the, all the right sectors in terms of infrastructure. One area, I guess, that they do have some drag in terms of uh, M&A activity, which tends to fall off in these sort of uncertain times. But, you know, when you look at Bitcoin, which is really just another tech stock, I mean, it's like your imaginary friend when you're, uh, when you're eight years old, Bitcoin, <laughs> to be honest. And, you know, it, it just hasn't performed as, you know, hedge 2.0. And to be honest, unfortunately, Rudy, gold has been an absolute dog, and I'm a bit of a gold fan but it has been an absolute dog in this climate and it hasn't done what it's supposed to do, which is to hedge your exposure and, and hopefully go up when the rest of the world is falling apart. It's actually the only thing that's gone up while the rest of the world's falling apart has been the oil sector mm. or oil in general. Uh, that has been the, the sort of the counter hedge, if you like. But even that got whacked last night as the EU's yep. gone a bit Mr. Floppy on uh, Russian sanctions. So. You know, that's really been the only one that's bucked the trend, and that trend may be uh, finishing a little bit for oil as well. But for Macquarie, for me, is the one to have okay. on your shopping lists. All right. Let's get into the uh, stocks that people have suggested. And uh, um, Henry was talking about uh, bounce back to the market. Uh, what about this one? Polynovo. Uh, Daisy wants a view on Henry, the medical device, uh, dermal regeneration solution business uh, for uh, traumatic wounds and things like that. Uh, up 4% yesterday and today I was uh, just uh, checking then up 17% today, Polynovo. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? A real bucking the trend at the moment with this one. But yep. for Polynovo, the trend has been well and truly down for a long, long time. 
So it is trying to find a base. It did get pretty oversold at 90 cents. There has been some director buying in this one. And yeah. the numbers coming out, I have to say, the, the March revenue was grew 59% to around 12.3 million. So all the numbers are heading in the right direction. Novo Sorb is their big sort of wound and, and skin scaffolding product, if you like. But it's also important that uh, it can kind of roll that out into, uh, into hernias and breast um, operations as well. So that gives them another string to their bow. I think the director buying is the thing that's turned this one yeah. around. It's always good to see a little bit of director buying there. There was a bit of a misprint. Uh, there was one uh, announcement saying that one director had bought 1.15 uh, 1.115 million shares. It turned out to be 115,000 shares. So oh, wow. uh, too many z <laughs> too many zeros in there. But still, the, I guess the uh, the spirit is willing, even if the flesh was a little bit uh, sketchy on the details. But uh, directors certainly buying this one. They've also uh, they've got a, a CEO vacancy at the moment, so they're hoping that that will uh, get the CEO named re relatively soon. So. Uh, the search is on for a new CEO. I don't mind this one. I especially don't mind it at 90 cents. I'm not sure I'd be chasing it at a dollar ten, to be honest. Okay. Uh, it's uh, it's bounced quite a lot on the back of this director buying. For me, it's a hold. Okay, uh, Rudy, what do you think of Polynovo? As Henry was saying, you look at that chart. That is one ugly chart, isn't it? Yes, and um, you have to see it within the, within today's context. Um, I mean. Maybe maybe good to, to, to point a little of a picture for the, for the rest of today's broadcast. I, I think we're, not, we're nowhere near the, the bottom of this, this process. So right. I think we're going to have a, at least a tough few months ahead of us. Mm. Uh, it's very simple. The so it's not building a base at these levels? Even if we do, it doesn't, mean it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. And, and, and it still depends on what type of stocks you have yep. in your portfolio. I mean, in, in, a, in, a, in a very simplistic sense, the, the central bankers are accelerating their tightening. Um, if the Fed can do what it what it tends to do, including selling bonds it owns, it would amount to the to the to the largest step in tightening we've ever witnessed yep. in a slowing economy, with uh, share price values that arguably have been very high. Um, I think we're all a little bit dreaming if we think this will be over right here, right now, anytime soon. Right, and it can get a lot worse. I think I think this process will continue until something breaks. Uh, and that might that might be the Fed itself. Right? Right. Uh, they might lose their, they might lose their nerve at some point. Right. Um, anyway, in this environment, and I've been saying this consistently since the year since the beginning of the year, you reduce your risk, and, right. and you go for steady, large cap, reliable performers that, at the very least, don't fall as much as the rest. Yep. Um, companies that don't make profits, they don't they don't cut it. Right. Small cap stocks that don't make profits. Highly speculative. I mean, they might rally like 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 Polynova does today. Yeah. But in general terms, um, my suspicion is if this process continues, then the share price will be down where it was because people will take profits. Right. In the bear market, you take you take profits where you can. Yep. Um, so I would I would essentially urge people to to pay attention to the global context, and to not automatically assume that because we have fallen so much, so this must be the end. Yep. Yep. It can get worse. So, so you wouldn't even be getting in the market at the moment. No, you just stand on the sidelines. I'm watching my stock, my stocks fall. Right, and and and, and, and blaming myself. I don't have more in cash. Right, because that's what you do. So, right? how much have you got in cash? Yeah, twenty five percent. Right. Okay. I wish it was forty now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, no to Polynovo. No, I wouldn't. I would go anywhere near it. 
Okay. I mean, small cap or micro cap, not profitable, highly speculative sector, uh, and, <coughs> and you still have to see how the recovery from uh, from COVID lockdowns will impact. Uh, it's not profitable. Okay. All right. Uh, Vince wants a view, Rudy, on PWR Holdings, the uh, basically the automotive parts business, isn't it? They um, um, uh, are in Formula One, are yes. they? And V8 yes. supercars with cooling systems and things like that. At least they make profits. Yep. But they are a small cap. And, um, and you really, really have to be careful. I mean, I don't know. I, can't, I don't have enough insight myself and in how well they, um, they can retain their profits and, 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 their, and their revenue at the, time, at the times we are in. Um, from Formula One is not, not a particular mm. my, my specialty here. Yep. But uh, in general terms, I'll, well, I'll say I'm, I'm an expert after watching uh, dr Drive uh, to Survive. Yeah. <laughs> 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 but I mean, at the very least, these guys, these guys make profits. Yep. They uh, <coughs> used to be uh, regarded as one of those Australian gems because they, they tend to be very good at what they are and they yep. uh, they were increasing their market share and their revenues in, in that perspective. But I but given the overall context, I would I would if you own it, you probably you probably hold on to it. Right. But I wouldn't be buying at this stage. Right. Okay. Uh, Henry, PWR. Um, I'm surprised that Rudy's not uh, an expert on Formula One, being from Belgium. Um, <laughs> One, one of the homes of Forlia One at, uh, at Spa. Um, I myself have watched four seasons of Drive to Survive, so I am a paid How up good is fully. It? Oh, it's fantastic. It, you know what? It's yeah. so good, Koshi, that I got my wife to watch it. She was so impressed. We've got tickets to go to the Italian Grand Prix in Monza. Oh, wow. How good is, how wow. good is that? Only general admission, but I am so excited. It is beyond right. words that, that I am excited. <laughs> Anyway, Melbourne's a bit closer. I tried to get tickets for Melbourne. I have to say I was a bit late off the um, because of COVID right. and I was a bit worried about things. Um, I was trying to avoid crowds and then the, 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 the temptation got the better of me and I just left it too late. But right. Monza yeah. with Ferrari wow, in it. Oh, how good how good's that going to be? 90 euros a ticket. I'm over the moon. Anyway, <laughs> uh, I digress. Um, as far as PWR holdings go, I mean, this has been a bit of a market darling, a bit of a niche player in motorsport. And, of course, we have seen motorsport bounce back, especially now that we're sort of back to normal in the economy. I know we're not really back to normal, but this is the new normal. So I don't really mind this, but it does fall into that tech basket again. And that is always a bit of an issue, especially at the moment when we've got tech meltdown and anything that uh, has a vague tech feel to it, whether it's profitable, unprofitable, or just um, a, a dream is being smashed. This one has been smashed as well. It's trying to find a bit of a base. I think for the loyal fans of this one, uh, it's probably a hold. If you were coming to it new, I think there's other stocks that I'd look at for the, for the bounce in the market, because at some stage, this market will bounce. Uh, all, uh, all bear markets <coughs> have a bounce at some stage, and um, they're usually sort of short, sharp, and uh, quite aggressive. And uh, even today, we are seeing trying to find the bottom. But um, this one for me is probably a hold. Right. Uh, if you're a holder, and if you're not, then there's probably other stocks that I would look at before this one. But it's certainly done a pretty good job in its niche, I have to say. And it's um, it has some appeal, motorsport, um, and 
I guess one of the things that's a slight negative is that what we've seen with ARB, which is the sort of mm -hmm. the aftermarket truck, um, sort of uh, when you want to jazz up your truck, when you, your Hilux yeah, or whatever. Uh, yeah, when you want to pimp your ride, ARB <laughs> are the people to go to. Even if you just drive around Turak, that's what you need. Um, maybe PWH has uh, got a little bit um, hit with the same sort of downdraft there. That's a Formula One term, Koshi. Um, so, so it's probably a hold for me. All right. Uh, Cassandra, Henry wants a view on Australian vintage. Uh, the old McGuigan wine still owns the McGuigan brand, but Tempest 2, Nepenthe, uh, Brossa Valley Wine Company. I didn't realise they crush around 7% of Australia's total annual wine production. Um, so it's actually a pretty decent size. Uh, Hunter Valley and Brossa as its main areas of growing. Uh, big exporter. Uh, made the not too popular decision not to export too much to China. Its biggest export markets have always been Europe and, and the United States rather than China, and that's uh, put it in pretty good shape since the uh, the trade wars. Uh, what do you think of Australian vintage? Um, well, a number of issues, and if you pardon the pun, liquidity is one of the issues because it okay. does trade a little bit by appointment, which is always um, a bit of a problem many people call them lobster traps because uh, you can get in or you you can't get out sometimes when you need to having said that this one's been a relatively um, stable performer business-wise not such a stable performer in terms of share price wise but it's definitely at these kind of prices it's a hold they had a big rise in Asian sales up 12% Malaysia Singapore and Taiwan doing well but uh, I guess as we see economies slowing maybe people pair back a little bit on their wine consumption so there's there's not enough here to get really excited about but there's not enough here to get really bearish about either so for me it's probably a hold that liquidity issue uh, does surround it you know it, it topped out around sort of 78 80 cents here we are at 70 cents there's probably a little bit of upside in it if it gets a fair tailwind but uh, with the UK slowing down uh, that is one of their big markets it's a tough market in the UK at the moment yeah. And uh, their economy is is at the forefront of the stagflation argument, you know, inflation yeah. at 10% and growth going backwards. So uh, that's not a good look for one of their biggest customers. So for me, it's a hold. Uh, Rudy, Australian Vintage? <clears throat> I, um, on occasion, I enjoy some of their produce. Oh, yes. And uh, so I can I. recommend it to many, yep. many other people. <laughs> and that's probably the best way of playing this one. <laughs> I, think. Um, I, I, I think one of the scenarios, and, and Henry, correctly points out, and I always pay attention to that as well, the, the, the daily volume in the shares is just too low for comfort. Yeah. And what people don't, don't have to realize is, in the good times, there can be a reasonable volume in those shares, but in the bad times, it can literally fall to zero, or to one or two. And, and that's not a stock that you want to hold shares in, because if any type of bad news f follows, or it's just anyone wants to sell that, that holds the shares, the share price can literally get smashed in front of your eyes. Yeah, um, and that's another type of risk than just the operational side. On the operational side, why I'm why I'm never uh, comfortable with holding a stock like this one is the bigger players in the market essentially define the overall dynamics. While they may think they've done the right thing by exporting only a little bit to China, Treasury Wines was a big. Uh, export to China, yep. that wine has to find a destination elsewhere. Yep. So that will ultimately 
or the, there's always the risk that will impact right. these guys that wine. Right? Yep. So the impact is not just directly in China, there's an indirect uh, yep. impact as well. If that happens, you don't want to be there because yep. it's a small cap stock, etc. Um, so I would just, you know, just not want to go there. Right. Okay. Unless you go to the to the bottle shop locally and uh, a nice Tempus two from yes. a, from a, from a good year. Yeah, yeah. Nepenthe is pretty good too. It's good. All right. Um, Lee wants a view, Rudy, on Alliance Aviation. Um, Lee asks a really good questions around this as well. Lee is a shareholder in in Alliance Aviation, uh, and. He was saying, what are the factors you look at when someone makes a takeover bid for your company that you're a shareholder in and the process behind it? Obviously, Qantas uh, likes it. Uh, the headline, Lee said, Qantas to acquire Alliance Aviation. Delving more into the detail, as Lee says, subject to clearance, uh, which is obviously the ACCC, uh, Alliance shareholder vote, etc. How far along the process is this? Uh, the board, Alliance board has endorsed it, which is great. However, they're not uh, the full pool of voting shareholders. How should I be thinking about my shareholding in Alliance? Lee, it's a really good series of questions. I recently met a few, a few uh, investors and they were shareholders in Ramsey. Right. And they asked me, what should we do? And I go like, well, luck fell on your lap. What do you think you should do? Yeah. Uh, and they even before that I heard my answer, they said, it's fine, we already sold, right? right? When luck falls on your lap, you better grab it and you identify it for what it is. Right. Going to this question, Qantas owns about 20% of, of Alliance. Yep. They're not giving a, a so-called control premium, but that's because nobody else can acquire Alliance because Qantas is already in there with 20%. Yep. It's not up to the boards or the shareholders in this case. If the ACCC says it won't go through, then it won't go through. Right. It's, it's really that simple. Yeah. Now, the opinions in the market are really divided. Some people think it's gonna go through because they didn't really object to the fact that Qantas uh, in 2019 acquired such a big stake in it. Yep. But still, to my surprise, you could argue that the local industry has thinned out with Virgin slimming down and, and the rest is all regionals. And, 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 and Qantas already has such a big market share. Should they be allowed mm. to increase their market share? We don't know. But mm. the ACCC, if they say no, then this, this deal won't go through. Yep. This will be a long, drawn-out process. The reason why the share price is below the intrinsic value of the, of the Qantas offer is because the market is not sure either. Right. And this can take a year, a year and a half, could, could take such a long time. In the meantime, that share price is not going to do much. Right. So there's your, your choice as a, as, a, as, a, as a shareholder. Are you going to stay on board while you're in this type of market and this share price should, should hold up relatively uh, solidly as it, as it has done so far, but you are going to wait for such a long time and there is a possibility that at the end of the road, the ACCC says no. Right. And then the share price will come down. Right. That's the proposition. I personally, when luck falls in your lap, Take your profits and 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 just uh, see whatever okay. you can do with it. So you don't, not necessarily accept the bid, just sell out at four well, the sell bid, on the market. Except the bid is of no use because, uh, as I said, it's it's going to be a very long, drawn-out process, and yep. in the meantime, yep. your money is stuck. Yep, and you can put there's you can the opportunity cost. Yes. You can put yes. it somewhere else or keep it in cash. Yes, um, Henry. 
Um, I love takeovers, Koshi. I think they're fantastic fun and offer investors a really good uh, return sometimes. I used to do a lot of takeover arbitrage in a, in a previous life. Now, general terms, Rudy is absolutely spot on. Uh, usually when you get a bid, the first reaction uh, is uh, exuberance and uh, a little bit of um, irrationality and the market gets all carried away and pumps them up. And usually the best thing or the best advice that I usually give to people is to at least sell some in that initial kind of flurry. Uh, then you can sit back and wait because it is not beyond the bounds of uh, possibilities. And I'm not talking about Alliance Aviation, I'm talking about in general terms, that somebody else comes along and trumps it. You've only got to look at Virtus, which has had more bids than a Sydney house auction at the moment uh, to... Uh, <laughs> To, uh, to get that one pumping. So the first bid tends not to be the last bid. Now, what we've seen in, in, in years, uh, recent years anyway, is these kind of conditional, non-binding, wishy-washy, let's have a look at your books kind of bids where the boards don't agree and fight tooth and nail to try and get a better price because that is ultimately what the board's job is to do, to try and get a better price for the business. So my advice always for people when there is a bid is to at least sell some on the initial flurry then you can sit back and have a little look and see how uh, the thing ends up in terms of uh, what are the risks what are the rewards and at the end of the day takeover arbitrage is all about assessing the risks versus the rewards and Rudy's right this may not now we're going to Alliance Aviation this may not go through because the ACCC may object now Alliance Aviation is a fly-in fly-out Kind of mining service provider flying workers into remote locations so you would imagine as the economy opens up and the mining fields open back up again and we don't get that surge in wa this is going to help them dramatically in terms of their revenue uh, the the uh, the headwind for them if you like is the oil price which doesn't help now for me they're four dollars and seven cents the bid is worth four dollars 75 so that is a lot of upside there and that is uh, quite tempting in these kind of markets now, you're not going to get cash. They're going to give you Qantas shares. Now, the more share, well, the lower the Qantas price is at the time, and that's one of the risks at the moment is we don't know what the timing is because they haven't given us the record date. And then there's going to be a, a pricing period over 20 days using the VWAP. So you don't know what you're going to get, but you are going to get $4.75 worth of Qantas shares if it goes through. So at 4 bucks, that's $0.75 cents upside. The downside... Well, what's the downside? Maybe $3.60. Qantas isn't going to sell out its 20%. And we do have a mining sector in WA that is on a recovery cycle. So for me, I have to say I like this one. A 390 I wrote about it this morning in the newsletter. 390 is my price where I get interested. And you're going to get a 22% return. Now, it may take you six months or a year. But the way this market is looking at the moment, there's not many other things out there that are going to give you a 22% return, uh, hopefully anyway, uh, than Qantas. Uh, uh, this deal from Qantas and of course Alliance Aviation could fall but if they fail they could fall back maybe 360 so 10% downside for a 22% upside over 6 to 12 months for me looks like a good bet but as I say generically always sell uh, into the strength when the bids first announced then you can sit back and wait and assess the risk and then you can hope and see that somebody else comes okay. along and bids higher as they have with Virtus. So you're you're saying this is a buy at 390 a potential buy? Oh yeah this, right. this, this is for me is uh, this is a nice uh, low risk kind of takeover of and you know there's going to be some complicated mm -hmm. strategies around the pricing period with Qantas so that you'll be able to take the risk out of owning 
a big parcel of Qantas, uh, you'll be able to, uh, to sell into that pricing period and therefore you'll be able to effectively cash up. So you'll get $4.75 in cash as opposed to Qantas. Mm -hmm. That may be a bit complicated for the average retail punter, but there will be a lot of people doing that. So during that period, okay. there will be some pressure on Qantas. All right. Uh, Harvey wants a view, uh, Henry, on Omni Bridgeway. When you sit back and you complain about lawyers and class actions and litigation, always the lawyers in there. Omni Bridgeway, you can actually invest in them uh, and make some money off of uh, a highly litigious uh, uh, society that we have at the moment. Um, but you do it through one of their funds rather than directly into cases. Um, Henry, what do you think of Omni Bridgeway? Uh, well, Koshi, we, we had this uh, big discussion about Omni Bridgeway in one of the investment committee meetings uh, yep. that you and I were, uh, were doing a couple of months ago. Um, and I'm not a fan, and it's, to me there's kind of ambulance chasers and just assessing the risk of the payouts that uh, they're going to get in terms of their court cases. Now, we do live in a litigious society these days, and these guys are pretty good at analysing the risk compared to the amount of money and time they put in. So that's a positive. So there's no massive kind of Slater and Gordon kind of downside, but, but that to me does... I guess it does sort of colour my uh, my view of this mm. and the fact that I'm not a massive fan of ambulance chasing lawyers, suing people and, and that sort of thing. So it's probably a hold from me, uh, I have okay. to say, and, and we discussed it at length in that investment committee yeah. meeting and I couldn't get my head around uh, the joys and attractions of this one for uh, for the upside. <laughs> Rudy? I think I'm a little bit less negative than uh, Henry <laughs> on this one. I, I see them more as, as, as a political party that, that once upon a time existed in Australia that said, let's keep the bastards on us. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And, I, and I think that's how I'm more how I see, uh, see Omni Bridgeway. We ha you have to add that um, this current government um, has done a lot of work in trying to make the work, uh, the work more difficult for the likes of Omni Bridgeway in, in protecting listed companies and directors more from litigation. So that's a negative. Yeah. I think the narrative which I've always followed um, from a distance is that if you have an investment portfolio and there is something to be said that you don't want all your eggs in the same basket. So you don't want all everything related to a downdraft in, in the share market. Mm -hmm. And that's why I earlier said, contrary to Henry, you, you can add some insurance policy through, through a gold yeah. ETF. The theory has also been that you can add Omni Bridgeway because it, it's, its revenues is not necessarily correlated to the share market, mm. which is true. But you see that the share price there, at the end of the day, it's still listed. And, and also, if you look at its financials, it can really hop around quite a lot. And that yeah. is obviously depending on when the payouts come. And sometimes these guys do lose a case. Yep. Uh, it doesn't generate anything. So I'm not so sure, just like with Bitcoin, where we spoke about earlier, I'm not so sure whether that narrative really stands up for the likes of Omni Bridgeway as a, as a true diversification. Um, and I'm, even though I'm not as negative as, uh, as Henry is, I'm equally not, not I, I can't be very enthusiastic about this. this right. I mean, I like more certainty in the business models where I invest in. Yeah, and um, I'm not so sure whether I trust these lawyers here, yeah. <laughs> because, because you never know what the judge is going to come up with. Yeah, yeah. So it's a bit lumpy, absolutely. The revenue. Uh, let's uh, recap our first five stocks. Our stock of the day was something you put your money into when everyone's panicking. Uh, for Rudy, 
Uh, it's gold, physical gold for Henry. It would be Macquarie Bank shares at the moment. Uh, Polynovo, a hold from Henry, a no from Rudy. PWR, a hold from both the guys. Uh, Australian Vintage, a hold from Henry, a no from Rudy. Uh, Alliance, a sell from uh, Rudy at, at these levels, if you're a shareholder in it. Um, Henry is looking at buying into Alliance because of the nuances of the, the quarter spin. If you can get it around 390, uh, he says that would be really good buying. It's not far off that at the moment. And Omni Bridgeway, a hold from Henry and no from Rudy. Uh, here on the call, we've been uh, uh, considering, um, uh, we've had our fantasy um, portfolio that we've been following since the, uh, the 1st of March last year. We had the investment committee meeting recently. You can catch that up on the website, osbiz.com. Uh, Let's see how the portfolio is going to date. Um, in the last investment committee meeting, we had a tab corp. Domino's, uh, which is up strongly again today, Ardent Leisure, uh, Tyro, which is up today as well in a, a falling market and kept a reasonable amount in cash as well. Uh, keep sending your requests in to the, uh, to the call because that's the first filter to get stocks up to the investment committee. At CMC, we've been in the game for a while, and although a lot of things have changed, our mentality hasn't. We aim to give experienced traders the best trading experience, like our expert platform with its second-to-none trading tools, plus our pricing is completely transparent. That's why people who've been trading for a long time stay with us for a long time. So if you're serious about trading, switch to the market leader trusted for over 30 years. Trade CFDs your way at cmcmarkets.com. You don't own underlying assets. Consider relevant PDS and TMD or information memorandum for CMC Pro accounts at our website. All right, second half hour of the show, we take a look at vicinity centres, self-wealth, HT&E, QBE insurance and Accent. Uh, Talia, Rudy wants a view on vicinity centres, uh, saying, uh, wanting to know whether retail commercial property is an investable idea at the moment, noting vicinity has reaffirmed its full year guidance and sales are up for the quarter. Is this a comeback for bricks and mortar? Uh, vicinity, the second largest listed manager of Australian retail property, $26 billion in retail assets, 60 shopping centres. You sound like the Prime Minister, just throwing out numbers. <laughs> <laughs> well, it gives people a sense of what they do yes. and their size. Give me yeah. a break, you are a bit grumpy today. Oh, really, really, oh, must, must, must be the shower market doing it to me. <laughs> I mean, I mean uh, one of the observations to make about uh, the, the share market in 2022, outside of the, of the energy sector, which, which Henry correctly pointed out, uh, and some of the mining stocks, is, is that the, the laggards from the, the previous years have made a comeback this year. And vicinity centre is one of them. I mean, it's because they had such a bad time re recently, yep. or previously, I should say, and the valuations were quite low, and, and, you, and you get that so-called recovery trade in there. So they are recovering, they're, they're, they're collecting more uh, rents from, from the retailers that are, and, they, and the, uh, the occupation rate is, is growing, et cetera, et cetera, and they're re re renegotiating um, more, more rents coming in. So for the time being, yes, vicinity centers is, 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 is a reliable dividend payer here. Yep. I, don't, I wouldn't expect any spectacular uh, price rises because we've basically already seen that this year. Um, having said so, uh, further out, once that effect has is, 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 is come in about 
we had such a bad time previously and now we're normalizing and that always yep. looks very spectacular on the financials after that we're just going to go back to the old regime again um, shopping centers under pressure have to find a new type <coughs> of uh, of tenant and um, and meanwhile the I mean I know that online retailers get smashed in this market mm. but online retailing as a trend is not going to disappear and it will be uh, unless those shopping centers can somehow hook in with that yeah uh, it will remain in constant challenge so for the short to near term yes you can hold this one I wouldn't chase it by the way but you can hold this one but further out I think you will find there, are, there will be much better dividend providers out there right that will have much stronger growth on their wings and maybe maybe something like Transurban might be a very nice one to throw right. in here that will over a decade will grow much stronger than the vicinity centers ever can right. okay uh, well, big dividends are being paid by mining companies at the moment, aren't yes, they? Yes, but, that, but there's a sustainability <laughs> in question as well. Coal companies are about 15% at the moment. Oh, this on, current on current forecast, we are going to see dividends from lithium companies. Yeah. And, and that, is, that is the surprise. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Henry, what do you think of vicinity? <laughs> uh, I'm not sure that should be a big surprise. Uh, eventually, mining companies do actually pay dividends. But anyway, uh, going to vicinity... Um, the traditional kind of investment uh, mantra is that uh, REITs, uh, real estate investment trusts, don't do very well in a rising interest rate environment. Now, vicinity and all the other REITs uh, managed to shrug off this kind of uh, common uh, mantra that we have in, in the investment world for, for quite a while. But it's starting to come home to roost a little bit. And we have seen falls, uh, especially in the likes of GMG, Goodman Group, which was you know, an absolute market darling, mm. uh, but that has fallen off an absolute cliff. Twenty-four bucks down to uh, nineteen bucks in this recent route. So these are big moves, and these are stocks that are considered um, a, a little bit of a pun, safe as houses to some extent. Uh, and because they are, you know, bricks and mortar based and physical assets, that the market always considers REITs as, as a, you know, an asset class all of its own and a little bit safer, I guess than say tech stocks etc but you know those moves in gmg goodman group quite yeah. extraordinary vicinity has faced its own headwinds of course supply chain issues staffing issues at retail stores uh closures etc uh problems with um the, the, the stores themselves in terms of sales going backwards and therefore uh, being under pressure on rent so it has had a little bit of slippage in the last uh, couple of weeks because of this this sell down in the market but what surprised me is how they've managed to, to buck the trend, if you like, uh, during this run-up in, uh, in Aussie 10-year yields and other yields around the planet. So for me, it's hard to get, I, I, can't, I can't get excited about this one. I think maybe it's a, a slight sell, but um, it's probably more a hold. I agree with, uh, with Rudy on Transurban. For me, that is the, uh, I call it my Tarmac tech stock because it's a, a platform that just sits there and uh, you don't even have to do any sales and you keep getting price increases. And it's of course, those price increases are inflation based. So, you know, you're getting 1% a quarter and every time it goes book, uh, you're yeah. paying more and more and more and people, you know, traffic is back to normal. So I'd, I'd certainly agree with Rudy that tra Transurban for me is a far better bet than vicinity centers, which right. is probably a hold at these levels. Okay. Uh, Patrick wants a view, Henry on self wealth, the, uh, uh, the broking platform for financial advisors? 
Yeah, hard one, isn't it? Uh, let's face it. Um, we've had a whole new generation that's embraced the likes of self wealth uh, with you know very limited uh, experience, very limited knowledge in some cases, but lured by the fact of uh, you know uh, investment riches on on the back of uh, cheap brokerage. This one suffered, I think. You know that the problem that these these falls have is not whether the market goes up or down to some extent, but what happens after it's all settled because it does put people off. Self wealth is um, very dependent on volumes, very dependent on new punters and new investors coming onto their platform. It has bounced. It has been on a horror ride, uh, much like Robinhood and and others in this space. You know, five six dollar brokerage and trying to get the volume up. I think this yep. isn't a void for me at the moment yep. because the aftermath of all this volatility is some of these new um, new investors, the newbies are gonna be hurt, they're gonna be licking their wounds, they're not gonna wanna play and they're gonna realize that the stock market, as they say in all the ads, it can go down as well as up and past performance is no indicator of future performance. <laughs> Rudy, self-wealth. I love it. I'm now jealous. I should have said that. <laughs> um, don't ask me. Why, don't ask me why. But uh, I actually um, ran into some uh, details on self wealth recently, and uh, what we are probably seeing here is a, a what, what, what they call in, in lingo the, the reverse takeover. Ah. So self wealth is, is is acquiring another company, but uh, in practice, it's the other company that's trying to right. take control. Okay. Um, needless to say. There's a lot of uh, <coughs> divergence of opinions between the boards and, 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 and boards internally. So um, you have to question whether, whether you really want to go there. Yep. The other element to observe here is that this is a, uh, a platform that um, focuses specifically on, on the younger generation of yep. investors. And, and in today's context, that, that is to a large extent, those who are holding all those shares that are down by 90% that don't know what to do. Mm. Um, and, and, and obviously they're not going to come back. Um, this platform has presented itself as the number three now in Australia and still not profitable. Yeah. So I think the, la the latter element is the most, the most important yeah. one here. Yeah. Not profitable, boardroom uh, uncertainty, potential reverse takeover, long yeah. bow, I would say, long bow, don't even look at it. Yeah. See, when markets are raging, you've found a lot of young investors, I know just in my family, uh, they went from their Bet360 app yeah, yeah. to their equity trading app and, oh, it keeps going up. Yeah, you're beauty. I'm making money. And, and for, two year, for two years, it was so easy. You simply yes. buy the dip. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And yeah, they had a rude awakening in the, uh, the last couple of months. Uh, Rudy Dan wants a view on HT&E here, there and everywhere, the uh, media and entertainment business outdoor and digital signage in Hong Kong, but they also own the Australian Radio Network, which is its big revenue driver here in Australia. It all sounds very impressive, but it actually isn't. They've had their glory days uh, a few years ago. Um, I mean, the only thing I can see is that their recent market update uh, was actually quite, quite, quite good. Yeah. They are going to sell some assets, and one would expect with United Australia Party throwing so much money at the newspapers. I mean, I'm not a radio listener, but I'm, but I'm assuming that it's, it's happening <laughs> everywhere. So yep. you would expect that they will see some of that coming through as well. There's an election going on. Yeah. But beyond the immediate, I, I, I can't get excited about yeah. this type of, and particularly not 
if we are going, um, and it would appear so, we are going through a, a squeeze on household budgets. Yeah. Um, we don't want to be in this idly diddly piddly, even though they, they sound impressive in the real world out there. In share market terms, this is a midget. Yeah. Uh, Henry, uh, they will be benefiting from election money. There are big checks around and some of the big media groups are asking for the checks up front and getting them. Italy diddly piddly. What is that, Rudy? <laughs> Italy diddly piddly. <laughs> that's that's a Belgian thing. That's something Hercule Poirot would say. <laughs> well, well, luckily he's from Belgium as well. Um, there's many good. There's many good things that come out of Belgium. Poirot waffles, chocolate, and Rudy Philippe Van Dyke are the, three, <laughs> are the four that I like to come out of Belgium. And Smurfs. Um, and Smurfs. Smurfs, and do Smurfs. Yeah. Yes. I didn't know that. I think, I, think, I, I think we'll leave the little blue friends on the sidelines. They're probably <laughs> Italy, diddly, diddly as well. Um, as far as HT and E goes, I guess uh, here, there, and everywhere, it is a radio um, yep. platform. And one of the attractions of radio, I guess, is that it is here, there, and everywhere. And of course, it is a bit of a play on a reopening economy and a going back to work. Now, most well a lot of people listen to the radio in their cars so uh, cars being back on the road and people going back to work rather than working from home does help them certainly the election does help them the recent update wasn't too bad and they are doing a little bit of adjustment in their portfolio with uh, a sale of a brisbane uh, 4k q um, and the figures weren't too bad at all it has been whacked over the head but what hasn't recently so i guess to some extent it's it's hard to get massively excited, but equally, you know, we are seeing more and more people on the roads listening to radio, and it is an advertising medium which is still relatively accessible, even for the United Australia Party and uh, our next Prime Minister, of course, Craig Kelly. But um, it is relatively accessible for a lot of smaller advertisers who can't do the whole TV thing. They can't afford Channel 7 because, you know, the, the, the salaries are too high and the costs are too high, etc. So they have... You like that one? So you have to. Oh, so you I have love to it. Go. That's a subtle so whack. That was a Not subtle true. whack. It wasn't that subtle. It wasn't actually subtle anyway. Uh, but here, there, and everywhere has got that sort of reopening side of things. So I, I don't mind it. It's had a big sell-off. Uh, the figures weren't bad. I think this is one that you could start to accumulate. It's not the most exciting thing in the entire universe, but it does have um, a little bit of uh, gearing to uh, more people in more cars going back to the office. Okay. Uh, Henry Barry wants a view on QBE Insurance, our second biggest international insurer. Um, been an ugly duckling for a long time, but sort of some people think rising interest rates could help it. Uh, rising interest rates do help it. Uh, that, that's one, This is one of the winners, I guess, uh, from rising interest rates. Perversely, you know, we've seen the REITs that fall and insurance companies generally do quite well because they take all your money, stick it in the bank and put it into uh, treasuries and things that are yielding money and then they try and not to pay out as much as they can, uh, of course, when something goes wrong. QBE has been a serial disappointer over the years, but it does look to be getting back on track. They've also quantified their exposure to Russia and, of course, rising interest rates do help these guys. It has run pretty hard and it hasn't really come off the boil. So as Rudy was talking about earlier sometimes, and this... This is kind of a bit like the Amcor situation, I guess, to some extent. 
Uh, when people look around and they start licking their wounds and start working out what they want to buy, they might look at things that haven't fallen that they want to sell to be able to buy uh, Domino's Pizza sub 80 bucks or, or they want to buy Macquarie at 175 or whatever. So this one could have a little bit of disappointment to come. But given that interest rates are going up, given that insurance rates are going up, given that this company seems to have got itself back in investors' favor and has the biggest disappointment about the last set of figures was it didn't disappoint. So no. for me, this <laughs> is definitely a hold uh, given where interest rates are yep. heading. But um, you may see some short-term weakness as people shuffle the deck somewhat and buy some of the cheap stuff or what they perceive as cheap and sell some of the AMCORs and the QBEs that have held up relatively well in this carnage. Okay. Uh, Rudy, QBE? Yeah. I'm just thinking, what can I add that Henry hasn't said already? My, my, I, mean, I, I agree with everything Henry says. And if you have a, a, a ongoing <coughs> positive view about um, high inflation, high bond yields, uh, continued increases in, in, uh, in, in cash rates, uh, then, then QBE, unfortunately, for me, unfortunately, is one of the stocks you probably want to have in your portfolio. Mm. Um, I think a better buy would <coughs> probably be, be um, computer share. Right. Although computer share has a lot of <coughs> operational mm. uh, things happening that you, you basically, but it essentially f at this point in time, and we've seen it in the share prices, the fact that bond deals are going higher and that uh, banks are tightening plays into the into the advantage of those of those companies. However, I still think that people are underestimating the fact that uh, with uh, more extreme events happening because of climate change, those guys will have more bad surprises. Mm -hmm. Pretty much each and every year. <coughs> I mean, the narrative was always that uh, those events would, would be to, to their advantage because they can increase their uh, insurance rates. And then next, the following year, they have the, they reap the, the advantages. Yeah. I think in the current time, that <coughs> there's no advantage no. to be reaped. I mean, the it one, the one every in year something else year event happens twice a week now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, exactly. Yeah, yeah, no. and, I, and I still think that is a problem for, for that sector. Okay. So temporarily, yes, I would, I would stick with, with Henry's hold at yeah. best. Um, and, and again, I mean, <coughs> so many Excuse people, me. so many people have been waiting for such a long time. It's still twelve dollars. Yeah, it's. I mean, um, <laughs> I forgot actually where they come from, but they come from so high in share price. It's, it's yeah. absolutely amazing. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. All right, James, our final stock we've got to get through. Uh, Rudy wants to be on Accent Group, four hundred and twenty retail stores, basically shoe stores, athletes' foot sketches. Um, also, they distribute Doc Martens and Timberland bands oh. here in Australia. I don't understand it. I mean, I was at an investment conference uh, two months ago. People asked me about uh, Accent Group. I looked at the chart and I go like, this is now deep value. I mean, right. but, but, but two months later, and the share price is deeper value. Right. It just keeps on falling and it yep. literally falls every single day. I can't, I find it, I mean, I, I must admit, I'm, I'm not following this company on a day-to-day basis, but I, I, can, I find it very hard to comprehend why the market is so negative about it mm. and why it just keeps on falling. And surely, at some stage, it, it, it really represents deep value. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, they are selling shoes. And as far as I'm concerned, we all wear shoes. And it's and regarded we all, as... We all buy new shoes on a regular basis. Yeah, but it's regarded as being well-run, it's hard. With, yes, a, with a good yes. management. Yeah, there were plan. times when when the, when, the sh when the share market was more accommodative that they were regarded one of the one of the best retail yeah. companies we have in Australia. Yeah. And for some reason, I don't know where it comes from, but the market at the moment is very, very, very negative. Oh. 
mean, maybe there's some supply chain issues there. I, I'm not aware of that, but um, I can only say, I, mean, I personally, I would almost by definition say, listen, buy some and just keep it in your portfolio because okay. um, look, beyond the, look beyond the short term because I find it very hard to believe that this, okay. this, this represents fair value. I did not think we'd get a buyout of Rudy today. I know, neither did I. I just changed my mind. Stock. No! <laughs> uh, Henry, what do you think of that uh, accent? I'm going to go with my little Belgian friend as well, Whoa. I've got to say. I'm going to, I'm going to, I know it's, a, it's controversial, um, but uh, idly diddly piddly, this one has become. And I think what part of the reason is that uh, it's had a kind of a parting of the ways with Adidas. And uh, of course, Adidas is a, is a major brand. Now, Adidas have said that they want to kind of go their own way and push their own barrow and not push their brand through Accent, which has hurt them. Accent also was very good at pivoting during the, uh, the COVID lockdowns and turned its stores into sort of click and collect and, and rather mm. than uh, having the retail presence. Brett Blundy is, is a relatively large shareholder. This thing has got over 8%. He is the, one of the best retailers in the country. Yep. I'm sure $1.27, this does look, as Rudy says, this is starting to look deep value. Uh, clearly, there are some supply chain issues. Clearly, there are probably some margin compressions in terms of uh, inflation and getting those products out of China and getting all the colors and all the sizes, as Maureen Lippmann would say. But um, equally, shoes are pretty kind of staple items, even if they are expensive sneakers. There's a lot of people pay a lot of money for their, uh, mm. for their sneakers. But 127, this one is starting to look pretty attractive. The chart looks awful, I've got to say. It looks terrible. So anybody out there in charting land is going to look at this and go, avoid. But at some stage, it will start to, to find a base and it will start to push up. And then we're going to go, oh, look at Accent Group. So I'm going to go early. I'm going to go with Rudy here with my okay. little Quaro. And I'm going to go with a buy on Accent Group. Excellent. All right, that's a good way to finish. Uh, Henry Jennings from Marcus Day, always uh, great to catch up. And also to Poirot as well, otherwise known as Rudy Philippic Van Dyke from FN Arena. Good to see you, mate. My pleasure. We got a buy out of you at the end. That's excellent. Let's recap the uh, final five stocks vicinity. A hold from both uh, Rudy and Henry Jennings. If, if you want a solid dividend payer, they both reckon... Transurban is probably a better option for you. Uh, Self-wealth, a no from both of them. Um, um, HT&E, a nibble from um, Henry, a no from Rudy, QBE, a hold. And Accent Group, a yes from both. Uh, that's it uh, for our show for today. If you've got any stocks you'd uh, like us to cover here, put them in an email, the call at ausbiz.com.au or tweet us using the at TV handle. Reminder, all the stocks in the Calls Fantasy portfolio, head to ausbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Coming up next on the Small Caps, Nadine, we'll be chatting with Sol Lukatsky, the MD at Spirit Technology as the telco is selling its fixed wireless assets for 21 million bucks. We'll get inside a scoop on the transaction and hear what is next for the company. So don't go anywhere. More of Ausbiz after this. Mm -hmm.